0: All right. Um, my name's Brennan. I'm a pastor here at Eaglemont, so let's get into this. Uh, but before we start, in case you're new this week or you haven't been around much in December, we're in the third week of our God With Us series. Um, today is God With Us in the Storm, and we're finishing this series on Christmas Eve, so again, be sure to invite a friend and come for one of those services. Uh, this series comes from Matthew 1.23, uh, which, which is telling the story of Jesus' birth, and it says, the virgin will Conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. This was referring to and quoting uh, a a prophecy in the Old Testament that was written 700 years earlier that um, Jesus was fulfilling in this moment. So um, that's what it's based off of. And then we're talking about the presence of God in different seasons of life because we experience God in different ways depending on what's going on. So we've covered uh, God with us on the mountaintops and God with us in the valley. No, we may experience joy, and we may uh, enjoy God on the mountaintops, but we get to know God intimately in the valley, in the hard times. And today we're talking about God with us in the storm. So, here, here's my storm story. Um, it was grade 12, uh, our grade 12 youth grad retreat. It was a lot of fun. We went out to Alberta Beach. There was a ton of us who graduated that year, and a lot of them were my, like, really close friends and are still my really close friends, so it was great. We enjoyed uh, some nice some nice weather, surprisingly. Um, it was late summer, early spring, so the water is still cold, but at least you know, if you've been to Alberta Beach or any lake in Alberta, you know it gets disgusting when it gets hot. So it was before that I wasn't scared of getting a disease from going in the water, which is great. Um, so me and my two friends, uh, Jade and Reese, hop on three kayaks, and we uh, just say, let's go to that island and back. There's an island, it's called Rock Island, don't know if that's its official name, but that's what people at the camp call it. Um, I asked someone who has a cabin there. They said it's about a kilometer and a half away. So for this story, uh, let's compromise a little bit. Say it's about five kilometers, because, you know, it, it, it kind of felt like that. Um, so we paddle out to this island, um, and, yeah, like I said, five kilometers totally. Um, we get there. There's a light breeze on our backs, so it was a pretty easy ride. You know, it's like walking. You can walk a long distance without getting tired, but I can you know, run for about 10 feet before um, I'm feeling it. It's kind of like that, like kayaking when it's calm, super easy. Um, and, but I swear, like we get there, there's not much to see. It's just, a, you know, we wanted to get there so we can, I don't know, have bragging rights or feel a sense of accomplishment. Um, but we get there and we turn around, and as soon as we turn around, I swear the wind picked up. Like, it was a light breeze on the way there. Wasn't worried about it. And then we turn around, and the wind picks up. And the wind is, like, decently pushing against us and causing decent-sized waves. You know, like, not huge waves. I'm not one to over-exaggerate. And, like, anyway, we're halfway through our 25-kilometer kayak ride. And so we're, we're going, and we're getting tired. Right? We're battling these wind, this wind. We're battling these waves. Um, and at this point, Reese my friend, he started to kind of trail a little bit. Me and JD are going, and I'm like yelling, I'm like, come on, we gotta keep going. Like, this is life or death stuff, right? Um, because you can't stop, because if you stop, the wind pushes you and takes you farther back. You lose your momentum, you lose your ground. So me and JD keep going, and at this point, it's every man for himself. There's no way to help someone else in another other kayak. I felt bad, but I did not stop. And so, <laughs> me and JD get back, like, dead tired. Um, and Reese has given up at this point. He's, I think he stopped paddling and was just letting the, just, just was subject to the wind and the waves. Um, and so I get back and I go to Kelly. Um, Kelly was youth leader and is now a global worker that our church supports, which is cool, but I go to him and I'm just like, someone needs to go get Reese. he's not making it back. Um, and I don't remember what I did after, I was, I was pretty out of it, but I was told this story um, after. I was told that, that Kelly went on the Sea-Doo with one or two other people um, to go get Reese. And they, they go and they try to get Reese on the Sea-Doo and like, grab the kayak and sort of pull it so that they can drag it behind. And they somehow ended up flipping that Sea-Doo. And so they're all in the water and like getting pushed by, by the wind and the waves further back. So then they send another Sea-Doo out to get them. And at least that's what I think happened. Um, I'm not sure if my memory is totally valid on that, but, you know, it doesn't really matter. All that really matters that we know for sure is that I kayaked 50 kilometers that day. And, but it was just sort of a mess. But eventually we got Reese back, we got the Sea-Dews back. Everyone was fine. But that happened all because of a little wind and some waves. So let's go to the Bible and see what the disciples did when they were faced with some wind and some waves. And maybe you haven't had a life or death experience on the water like I have, but I think you can still relate relate to this. Like this hit deep for me. Um, okay, no, so we start the story in Mark chapter 4:35. If you want to follow along, Google it or it'll be on the, the screen. So Jesus was teaching at the shore of the Sea of Galilee that day. He was, he was on a boat um, because the crowd was so large that he sort of needed to back away and stand on a boat and preach from that boat so that everyone could hear him. Um, And that day, Jesus was preaching a lot, teaching a lot. He was constantly surrounded by uh, crowds. And so once he was done teaching, it says in verse 35, that day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There was also other boats with him. So they went to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. It's about 13 kilometers across and 21 kilometers long. Um, And then they're traveling across the sea. And then in verse 37 to 38, it says, A furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat, so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him up, and they said, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? So the Sea of Galilee is a freshwater lake in Israel, and like most lakes won't experience uh, huge storms, um, or what the Bible calls a furious squall. And a squall means a very sudden storm or gust of wind that lasts a while. But because of just, like, where the lake is located and apparently the way that the wind comes over the mountains and then drops onto the lake, it just causes these very sudden big storms on the Sea of Galilee. And, like, because of these storms, people used to believe that that's where good and evil forces were fighting, which is, I don't know, that's just, like, what they thought because of all these storms. But Jesus and his disciples, you know, they weren't being dumb here going across the sea. They would have known likely known the risks. They grew up around this area. Four of the disciples were experienced uh, like fishermen by trade. So they would have been experienced sailors. They would have known the waters, known the boats. So that leads me to believe that this was probably like the biggest storm they've ever faced. If the disciples in that moment were like terrified and thinking they were going to drown, they've probably never faced something like that. So the disciples and Jesus are in the boat and Jesus was sleeping through this all. That's the part I relate to, because um, I'm like Jesus in this way. If you know me, I can sleep through everything. This is not a proud uh, moment, moment in my life, but I had to buy an alarm clock that shakes my bed because I would sleep through everything else. Those are like, and then my, my one friend is like, oh, yeah, my father-in-law's deaf. I think he has that same one. <laughs> um, so, but, hey, I'm just trying to be like Jesus, so get off my back, mom. <laughs> okay. She's not mean about it. It's fine. I'm just kidding. Um, okay, but this is just also just a reminder that Jesus was a real person. Like, he needed, he needed sleep. He got tired. Um, so he was sleeping through the storm. And the disciples wake him up and probably just, like, yelling because they think they're going to die. They just, they just say to him, teacher, don't you care if we drown? And have you ever felt that way? Like, I think we can relate to the disciples in this moment. You know, they're going through this massive storm. And who's sleeping in the back? But like Jesus, their teacher, their leader. Do you ever think that it's like, where is Jesus? Where is God? I'm trying to get through this storm. And where is God? Maybe we cry out, "Do you even care if I drown? Do you even care if this storm takes me out?" And it's it's an understandable response that I think we can relate to. But Jesus was sleeping here in this story because he was a human. But, you know, he's not sleeping now. He knows you. He knows your situation. He knows what you're going through, and he loves you. And just because you're in a storm, that doesn't mean that God isn't there or that God doesn't care about you. Uh, Craig Rochelle, who we get this series, this God with a series from, uh, he put it just, he put it well. He just said, never allow the presence of a storm allow you to doubt the presence of God. He says, never allow the presence of a storm to allow you to doubt the presence of God. But that happens all the time for Christians and and people who don't believe in God. We see evil and we have suffering and that makes us doubt God. So we kind of need to ask, why does God allow suffering? Why does God allow these storms? Well, first off, we need to address that sometimes, sometimes these storms are our fault. You know, maybe you're in huge debt because you didn't save and you weren't wise with your money. Or maybe you're in a storm because you didn't listen to people in your life when they told you not to go into that relationship. Or you made a dumb life decision and you quit your job and you took up full-time juggling and everyone told you that that should be a side gig or maybe just a hobby. But... You know, you wanted to follow your dreams, but maybe you should have done that when you still had a job. <laughs> um, or you're failing school because you slack off and you're addicted to Netflix. Or like, whatever it is, sometimes we just need to look at our own selves and realize that sometimes we get ourselves in the, into storms. We need to take responsibility for our own actions sometimes. God can still help us out of those storms, but he still allows consequences. You know, he's not a get-out-of-jail-free card. So then what about the storms that aren't our own fault? You know, why does God allow bad things to happen to us or to good people? Um, Why is there evil? Why is there suffering? And this is something we need to address because it's a huge issue for people. Um, People either don't believe in God because of it, or they don't want to know God and believe in him because of it. And I'm not going to get super deep into this because we don't have a ton of time for this. And uh, this will actually be addressed next year. After Easter, we're going into a, a series called The Problem of God, where it's just about um, some of the biggest issues that people have with Christianity and God, and it addresses those and gives responses to those, and I'm, I'm really excited for that, and um, the problem of evil and suffering will be one of those, but we're just going to talk about it quickly. So, you know, if God is with us, then where, where is he? Uh, why is there suffering? So, let's just admit that that's a hard question, right? Like, I don't... I don't like when Christians or churches or pastors pretend that they have it all together, that they never have doubts. And it's not that I just don't like it. I don't think it's healthy. I don't think it's what God wants for his church. You know, we're, God created us and he made us um, smart enough to question things and having doubts is a part of life. It's like when you're getting emails from, from a prince from a country you've never heard of saying that, you, that he needs your help um, and that then he'll give you a lot of money. You should probably go, ah, <laughs> I don't, I don't know about that. Um, don't take everything at face value. You know, that's, that's a part of life. Um, having doubts is a part of life. It's a part of walking with God. Um, and you don't need to get rid of all your doubts and hesitations before you have a relationship with Jesus. All, like, all you need to agree on is that, like, oh, I'm sinful. I'm messed up. I need forgiveness. And Jesus died and rose again to forgive me. And that might still be a lot for people to digest and and think about and believe, but besides that, besides who Jesus is and what he did, everything is secondary. Not that it's not important, but everything else is secondary to that and can be figured out along the way. You know, Having doubts is a part of being a follower of Christ. So if you aren't a Christian, um, I hope that you don't think Christians are just people who live by blind faith and who never question anything. And if you are a Christian, you know, we can be honest about our doubts and our struggles um, don't pretend like you have it all together because we don't, and that's okay, and that's the way a church should be. So, but here's just some quick reasons um, of just why God may allow suffering. So first off, uh, there's free will. God wants people to choose to love him, and to have that option to choose something good, there's the option to do the opposite. Um, So that's a lot of, that's a big reason for a lot of suffering is people's choices to do evil. To reject God and what he wants. Um, so we can't get rid of that without getting rid of free will. So that's just a, a part of life. And I also think that, you know, people say uh, there is evil, therefore like God can't exist because it doesn't make sense. But I think that our collective view of morality is actually from God. I think that points to him and not, not against him. We all have this idea of right and wrong. We have this idea of of justice from like, from a young age. And I think that points to a creator. You know, we're not just like the animals who just are survival of the fittest. We care for one another, we protect people. And although we humans sometimes are evil and do bad things, we also do a lot of good things. And I think that points to a creator. I think that points to God. And then the state of the world, um, the Bible tells us is um, happened because in the beginning, people rejected God. You know, we rejected the creator of the world. We, we rejected the God that sustains the world. So a world is broken, and it's imperfect. So we have things like um, death, cancer, disease, natural disasters, and people kind of have this, this feeling like that's not the way it should be. You know, when, when someone's child dies at a young age, that's, that's not right, and we all know that. And Christianity says, yeah. That's not right. That's not the way God created it in the beginning, and that's not the way it's going to be when Jesus comes back again. That's the promise of Christianity, that we'll one day have a world without pain. And then I also just like um, that with Christianity, I don't think any other religion or worldview has, has a God that comes down and, and suffers for us. No, you know, God knows what it's like to actually be a human, to be like us, to suffer, to have pain, to die. Um, to have temptation, and that is really comforting in times that we face that. So those are just some quick bullet point answers, uh, and like I said, it'll be addressed at greater lengths after Easter, um, but I hope that helps you think about this in a different way. I hope that um, helps you understand that maybe there is an answer to this. Maybe evil and God, both existing, isn't a contradiction. Right, so let's go go back to the the story that we left off in, back to Mark chapter 4. So Jesus and his disciples are in the boat going across the Sea of Galilee when suddenly, all right, the wind picks up and this huge storm comes out of nowhere. And before the disciples can even think, waves are crashing over the sides of the boat, filling it with water. All right, the wind is hammering the sides of the boat, taking it off course. The disciples have no control over their own boat. Their hearts are beating faster and waves continually fill the the boat with water. And the disciples know they don't have much time before they sink. So in desperation, they go to Jesus and this is what happens. They go to Jesus and they say, teacher, don't you care if we drown? Jesus got up, rebuked the wind and the waves and said, quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. And he said to his disciples, he said, why are you so afraid if you still have no faith? And they were terrified, and they asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. I love that image in my head, like if Jesus is just standing up and saying, quiet, be still, and the wind stops, and the waves kind of sink back down, and the sea's like glass, and the boat is just at peace. It's a beautiful image of peace. And then Jesus asks his disciples, he says, why are you so afraid? You still have no faith. And uh, I'm imperfect, and I'd probably go, why are you so afraid? Like, we almost died, Jesus. What do you think? But what he's saying is, he's saying, do you still not know who I am? He's saying to his disciples, "Do do you still not get it? You know, why are you so afraid? You still have no faith. And that's the question we need to ask ourselves because do we know who's with us? You know, do we know that Jesus is with us? And then the disciples ask themselves, who is this that even the wind and the waves obey him? Right, they're still piecing together that Jesus is God, that Jesus is the son of God. That's an amazing statement. Jesus is the prince of peace. Jesus brings peace in the storm. You know, peace doesn't come from an easy life. People can have an easy life and still never experience peace. But peace comes from the presence of Jesus. Jesus wants to bring peace to your life today. And in this Christmas season, which unfortunately for some people, can be stressful, can be draining, can bring back hard memories, I think we could all use some peace. And not just peace where there isn't a storm, because that's temporary. But peace from the presence of Jesus, that's permanent. That can take us through a storm. Doing some research for this sermon, one of my favorite quotes that I found uh, was from David E. Garland. And he said this about this story in Mark. He said, reading Mark helps one to learn to trust in a Savior who does not deliver us from storms, but through the storms. You know, because so many times we want to be delivered from the storm. And that makes sense. But most of the time, Jesus is going to deliver us through the storm, because it's through the storm that we grow. You no, know, it's through the difficult experiences that we have that change us for the, for the better. Like, the disciples wouldn't have gone to Jesus if sailing was easy, and they wouldn't have seen his miracle, and they wouldn't have drawn, been drawn closer to him if everything was easy. And that's so, that's so true for, for a lot of us. You know, Jesus is in the back of our heads until something hard comes at us and then we're left with nowhere to turn and then we go to Jesus and it brings us closer to him and he's there to help and there to help us get through the storm and on the other side of the storm we can emerge closer to our savior and our creator. Jesus wants to deliver you through the storm. So We always need to remember that Jesus doesn't guarantee an easy life and it's actually the opposite like in John 16:33 he says in this world you will have trouble but take heart i have overcome the world like you will have trouble so that's a promise so don't be surprised when trouble comes you know if 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 trouble comes and then you suddenly doubt god and you doubt your relationship with him then you weren't really paying attention to what he was saying you weren't really paying attention to what the bible says Here, Jesus didn't stop the storm from happening to protect his disciples from any fear. He didn't tell them to go a different direction. He let the storm allow them to, to be in a place of fear and desperation. But then, then they went to Jesus. And then they found peace. And I wish I could tell everyone that if you trusted in Jesus, you know, all your problems would be gone. But that's simply not true. Pain, suffering, storms, valleys... Mountaintops, like ups and downs, are just a part of life. And they always, they always will be here on earth until Jesus comes back. And you know what? That sounds sad and depressing, but really it doesn't have to be. Because I'm, I'm not standing here saying life sucks, get used to it. I'm telling you that there's hope in the storm. So a relationship with Jesus doesn't solve all your problems, but it changes your heart. The storms of life don't change whether you're a Christian or not. You experience storms. You experience hardships. And if you look at the lives of Jesus and his disciples in the New Testament, like, they're marked by suffering and pain and a hard life. And Jesus tells us and tells his disciples, you know, pick up your cross. Saying, like, every day, choose to give your life to me. Choose to accept suffering and pain for my sake. Following Jesus changes your heart. The storms may not change, but your attitude in the midst of the storms does. God may not bring you out of the storm right away, but he gives you the strength to endure it. He gives you the ability to endure it. He, gives, or he walks with you through it and even gives you the ability to rejoice and find joy and peace in the midst of a storm. I was listening to Francis Chan's new book. He's an author and a pastor in the States. And his, uh, his book's called Seven Letters to the Church. And he was talking about his time in, in China and just what he learned from that. And um, Christianity in China has just been, like, just growing so fast. It's crazy. Um, from, like, an estimated 3 million Christians in the 1980s to an estimated, like, 100 million now. Um, like, it's nuts. And he was talking with one pastor and... Uh, the pastor explained, like, okay, the church in China was, like, our church was healthy and growing and the way it should be with these five things as pillars in the church. So, uh, in no particular order, he said these were our core values. So, prayer, a church studying and reading the Bible. Um, Yeah, sorry, prayer, deep commitment to prayer, Um, the word of God. So, studying and reading the Bible. Uh, a missional mindset. So everyone was expected to be sharing the gospel. That's everyone's responsibility. Four is an expectation of miracles. You know, because of prayer and our belief in God and, and his Holy Spirit, we expect miracles. So these four things, as a church, we can always grow in, but I believe that they are core values. We, we preach them. Uh, we, encourage, we encourage these things, and I see these in churches across Canada. But the fifth one, I think, As as um, Western society churches, as first world churches, I think we've missed out on this one. And the fifth pillar that that this pastor said was a core value in his church was that they embraced suffering for the glory of Jesus. Their core value was that they embraced suffering for the glory of Jesus. And Francis Chan just said, like, how did I miss that? How did I miss that in in my churches here? Because, and then he just said, like, it's in every book of the New Testament. It's everywhere. It's a very present theme in the Bible. We embrace suffering for the glory of Jesus. Romans 5, 3 to 5 says, But we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. You know, we come to church and and we just want everything to be easy. And more and more, like, that's our culture. It's a culture of of comfort and ease and of non-consequences. But then when a storm comes, we're just wrecked and we're lost. But if we come with an attitude of, Jesus will take me through the storm. And no matter what happens, I have peace because Jesus is with me. And I will embrace suffering for the glory of Jesus. Then we, can, then we can be ready for any storm that this world throws our way. So we need to ask ourselves some important questions. You know, if you are in a storm, what are you doing to trust God? What does that look like? If you aren't in a storm, what are you doing so that you're ready? Because, like I said, storms, pain, hardship, that's a part of life that's going to come. And. We need to trust God through that. And trust can be hard. Like uh, that's, that's a hard thing. But I, I think we just need to continue or start growing in your relationship with Jesus. The, the more you know Jesus, who has, um, like in John 16, said, I've overcome the world. He's the one who stops the wind and calms the waves. The more you know Jesus, the more you can find peace in the storm. And we need to choose to trust, Like, I'm not, I don't, I'm not discounting um, people's real fears and anxieties, um, but I just think that we have such a worrying culture, you know, and it's draining, and it's exhausting because we let our worries and our fears just run over and over and over again in our heads, and that's all we think about, and it controls us. But if we just pray and instead replace that with, Jesus, I trust you, Jesus, I trust you. And instead of thinking about how scary things are and how bad the world is, we can think about how great Jesus is. We can think about how amazing his love is instead. And that's not going to fix everything, but I think it's a step in the right direction. You know, don't be controlled by your fears and your worries. That's not the way it's supposed to be. That's not how we should be living our lives. Today, choose to fill your mind with how great Jesus is instead. And then to ask ourselves, you know, why am I so afraid? Why are you so afraid? Do I know that Jesus is with me? Do I know that Jesus is greater than any storm I can face? Do I know that Jesus can calm the storm? Do I know that Jesus has overcome the world? Do I know that the storms of life are temporary, but the love of God is eternal? So what do we have to fear? I think that's the better question. Not why am I so afraid, but what do I have to fear if Jesus is with me? Because the answer is nothing. Which is amazing that we get to say that. And like I said, that doesn't mean everything's easy. That doesn't mean everything's better. But Jesus is with us. So what do we have to fear? So please stand with me, and we're just going to spend a few minutes the rest of our time here, praying for those who are in the storm right now. So first, we're going to pray that all of us, those who are in the storm and everyone else, that we will have courage, You know that we will know who is in the boat with us, that we'll be able to find peace and joy in the midst of the storm, that we'll embrace suffering because it's for Jesus. Then we're going to pray and believe that Jesus is is going to change some things today. You know we're, that Jesus is going to deliver some people out of the storm today. That Jesus is going to bring healing to situations and miraculous physical healings. That our God is a God of miracles, and that today He's going to stop the wind and stop some waves today in people's lives. All right, so if you're going through a storm and you want prayer today, just raise your hand. And if I could just have a couple people from the worship team come up, thank you. And church family, please gather around these people. Just find someone with their hand raised and keep your hand up until you have people praying for you. And church family, just gather around them and begin to pray. And if you aren't a Christian, don't, you, know, you don't have to feel any pressure. You can stay where you are or sit down. There's no pressure or judgment, but everyone else, make sure that everyone who has their hand raised has someone praying for them. And then if if everyone else just wants to lift their hand in a sign of agreement and just lift these people up and just believe that God's going to change some situations today. Jesus, so let's pray together. Jesus, we just thank you. God, we thank you that we can face any storm because we know that you are with us. God, we just pray for courage, Lord. Give us courage in the midst of times that are just so dark. God, give us courage so that we can face any storm that comes our way. God, give us peace in the midst of these situations, God. May Christmas, may this Christmas season just be marked with peace. God, you. Your Bible says, your word says that your peace passes all understanding. And God, we just need that right now in people's hearts and people's lives. God, just give us your peace as we depend on you. Lord, help us to find joy and suffering in these moments. God, we know that, that we live our lives for you and we face whatever storm comes our way for you, Lord. Give us joy and peace in these situations, God. Help us to know you. And know that you're with us, God. If we feel far from you, God, just give us a touch from you. Help us to feel close to a real God that loves us and knows us and is with us. And God, we just believe that you're a God of miracles. Lord, we believe right now that you're delivering some people out of a storm. God, right now, you are saying to the wind and waves, quiet, be still. And you are bringing peace to someone's life. God, we just lift up the Andringa family who, um, as Henry just recently passed away. God, just bring peace. God, bring peace to their family in this, in this situation. Lord, we lift them up. And God, we just ask that you do your work in their life. Lord, we pray for the Weaver family. God, we pray for Scott. Jesus, we just lift them up right now. God, we just pray for your Holy Spirit to touch his life. God, we pray that there'll be a a story of just how you rescued the weavers out of this storm, God. How you're so good and amazing and stronger than any storm that we can face. Jesus, we just believe right now that you're changing some situations. God, we believe right now that, that, that you are moving because we believe you're real. God, we because we believe you are all powerful. And we believe that you love us, Lord. And sometimes you're going to take us through the storm. But God, sometimes you, you stop a storm. So we just pray, Holy Spirit, that you are doing your work today. God, we just pray and we believe. We believe, Jesus. Just lift up, just lift up those families that need help, God. Just lift up those families that feel like they're drowning in this life. God, bring peace to them. God, bring joy to them. Still the storm, Jesus. Still that storm, God. Just continue to pray for these families. And I just want to ask, if everyone can keep praying right now, you know, if you haven't accepted Jesus into your life and you think, I want to know the God that calms the wind and the waves, I want to know and follow Jesus, you can do that right now. You know, all you have to say is, I'm sorry for my sin. And you can say that with me. Just say, I'm sorry, Jesus. I want to follow you the rest of my life. Please forgive me and make me new. God, help me every day to live for you. To pick up my cross and to trust you through everything that happens in this life. Through every storm, through every battle, God. I trust you because I know you're with me. And if, if you want to accept Jesus right now, you can just lift up your hand and just publicly say yes. That's something I want to do. I want to be a part of this family. I want to be accepted and follow Jesus and have hope in the darkness and hope in the peace. If anyone wants to do that, they can just raise their hand. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. So Jesus, we just trust you in everything that happens today. God, we just ask that you can help us know you better so that we're ready for any storm. God, so that we're ready for the for this life. God, we love you. And Lord again, we just ask that you have your way today. God, we just ask we humbly ask that you are doing your work, Lord. That you're amazing. Holy Spirit and your power is moving today and changing lives. And God, we believe that you are changing lives today and continually changing Beaumont and Eaglemont and our families and our lives. And God, we just give you this day. God, we thank you for this Christmas season and what it means that you were born as a human to be with us, to die for us, to live for us. God, we thank you for that. And Jesus, I just pray that your peace will be felt. God, I pray that you just give peace to every person here today, God, and every family in our church. God, we need you. We love you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.